All right, guys, we're back with another podcast. This is Dark Side for Vital MX. And today I have the brand manager for FXR, Mr. Andy White. How's it going, Andy? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, there's a lot of questions I have about FXR and your history. Uh, the brand is, is growing every year. But before we actually get into FXR, I want to talk about you a little bit. And I went and did some research and kind of know a little bit about you, but I'd like you to tell our, our viewers, our listeners, just some of your background. You grew up in Canada, but like, how did you get into the motocross sport? How did you discover moto and what was your trajectory through the sport early? Um, well, as a kid, you know, riding BMX bikes and stuff like that, uh, some of my friends had dirt bikes and I hopped on one when I was, I don't know, like 11, 12 years old. And I twisted that throttle and I couldn't believe the feeling of uh, being propelled along the dirt by twisting a throttle and all the cool power. I think it was like an RM50 or something oh, wow. that I rode. And I couldn't believe how cool this thing was. And I was just hooked like immediately. And I think I ran home and told my dad, like, I tried a, a dirt bike. And my dad's like, are you crazy? You know, these things are dangerous and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, basically said, okay, well, you know, your kids, your, your friends have them. I'm like, yeah, all the, all my buddies have them. Uh, we live just outside the city. So there were trails and tracks. And uh, he said, well, if you save up some money, I'll, I'll help you out. And I'll chip in half. And um, so I think I, uh, I cut everybody's garden uh, grass that, uh, that summer and shoveled every driveway possible to save up money and went out and bought a, a dirt bike and uh, a little YZ80 and started riding with everybody. And I mean, I was hooked. That was it. It's, uh, it's in my blood and I don't think it'll ever go away. And I think from the age of 13, I've ridden every year of my life, um, uh, racing, riding, whatever. And I, you know, still addicted to it. I love that story because most often it's, well, my dad rode, so he passed it down. So you came from a family that didn't ride, but fell in love with the sport and your family, your dad supported it. That's really cool. Yeah, he did. He was, uh, he, he rode street bikes and stuff when he was younger and, um, he knew that, uh, you know, they were cool and it was maybe something I'd get into later. And he wanted to make sure that I start off right. So we went to the bike shop and, you know, we got a Bell Moto. Moto three, that uh, yellow school bus color yeah. helmet, and uh, started with that and some Scott goggles and some motocross gear and boots, and made sure that I was all dialed in and um, you know play safe and started riding with my buddies and stuff. And some of the older guys were telling me, "Man, you're really good for uh, a guy on these dirt bikes. Never seen you before." And you know they're telling me I should go race and stuff and. I was too young to drive or anything, so I had to get rides to here and there and everywhere. But that was a cool thing. I could just ride from the house <laughs> and um, ride with my buddies all day, all summer. I mean, like, I'd leave at 8 in the morning and come back at 8 at night. And, you know, we would uh, borrow, beg, steal gas and oil from whatever and put it into our bikes and just ride forever and ever and ever. And it was uh, so much fun. Oh, man. Just listening to you tell that story, I'm – I'm sad for this generation that kids don't really have that in most places where you can just go all day, go hang out with your friends all day. And like, it's just kids don't live that way anymore. No, no, they don't. And the funny thing is as an adult now, and 
in my 50s, I can't wait to go out to the tracks on the weekends and hang out with my buddies. And we go out and do a couple motos, and then we come in, and then we bench race and you know take cheap shots at each other about our <laughs> riding or whatever, or some history. Yeah. And it's still going on, you know, 30, 40 years later with some of the same guys. And we just getting together and just having a lot of fun talking about riding. And we would go out there and do, you know, six, seven, eight laps and come back and talk about it. And, you know, we're already pumped for the next weekend. So it's just, it just will not go away. And I'm very happy that I found this passion in this sport and hobby uh, and now fell into a job that, is the same, you know, involved in the same industry. And, you know, it's, I'm probably one of those six percenter people where it's a hobby and I love my job at the same time. Yeah. You're just, you're absolutely blessed. That's fantastic. Sticking with your racing, you did progress though, to a point where you did some Canadian nationals and, and, you know, had a fairly successful, it sounds like amateur and semi-pro career. I did. I, um, I was lucky. I met a few riders that were uh, a lot quicker than I were close to where I lived, and they coached me and helped me, and I moved through the ranks pretty quickly. I won a bunch of amateur championships, and then I hopped into pro, you know, with some attitude, and I just got smoked the first <laughs> pro race I was in, and I couldn't believe it how fast these guys were going, and uh, it was uh, back to the drawing board, and uh, I had good help from Yamaha and Honda, and some local dealers. So I got pretty lucky and I trained and I worked hard and put a solid effort into it. And I saw what some of the other pros were doing and figured, you know, this is the only way you're going to do is by hard work. It's not going to come to me. So, um, I did that and followed the Canadian nationals and, um, got to some top 10 finishes. And, you know, during the winter, I would shoot down South to Florida and race, um, the, um, Florida winter AMAs and Daytona amateur supercross and uh, some other events. And new England was big too, cause that's only a couple hours away from me. So Southwick was massive uh, for me to ride down there. And I got to ride with guys like uh, John Dowd and Keith Johnson and Treadwell and guys before them as well. So it was fun. I, I really enjoyed those years of racing pro, but uh, you know, as you get older, it gets harder and, and I was lucky the vet classes started popping up the plus 25s and 30s. <laughs> right. And and I fell right into those categories perfectly and allowed me to keep on racing forever and ever. Um, so, yeah, it's it's fun. It's, it's worked out great. Yeah, and you talked about, obviously, you, you transition into a industry job at some point and you did a lot of that it sounds like through hard work you had your own suspension company and a dealership talk about those things and how they eventually led to you working for fxr right so when i was racing pro uh, one of the guys that lived not far from me that had a suspension company uh, needed someone to help test and um, i would start testing for him and i got to learn more about suspension and uh, before I knew it, I was working in the shop, revalving and tearing stuff apart. And we had a couple other guys in there and, uh, it was a lot of fun understanding more about suspension. And my role, I guess, became more marketing and sales guy for the suspension. As I was out at the tracks riding, my competitors would come over and want their suspension done. So I was racing pro 
competing against other pros that had my suspension on it. So it was a little bit weird, but they had confidence that I would set it up great for them. And I was a very smooth rider when I was young and still am. And they saw how well I rode and they figured, you know, if, if I'm riding this stuff, it's got to be good. And back then there wasn't a lot of choices. So, um, Lee Tinkler, my business partner and I, uh, officially opened up a, a, a shop here in Montreal and then we franchised them across the country to five other locations and then into the U S and uh, that was in the uh, late eighties and all through the nineties. And we had a great business going, a lot of fun, met a lot of people, uh, connected to, uh, a lot of suspension guys. And, um, then that led into actually owning a dealership in Montreal, a Honda KTM dealer. And uh, the name of it was Diablo performance. And, I ended up uh, starting a race team with the help of Honda Canada, and we brought up Treadwell and Keith Johnson. We had guys like Marco Dubé, Doug DeHaan, and Mitch Cook. I mean, it just goes on and on of all these riders that we had. And um, it, it was a lot of fun crossing the country, doing the Canadian Nationals and stuff. And and then uh, one day I had an email from a friend that uh, worked at KTM Canada and said they were looking for a race director, marketing race director for the Canadian division. And I applied and got the job in 2004. And, um, that's pretty well of KTM where the four stroke started the 250 F. Uh, it was hard to find riders back in the day to ride KTMs. The off-road version was bulletproof, but the motocross version in North America was pretty non-existent. Nobody, really wanted to ride them. They didn't have linkages on them. They were yeah. European. So it was a hard sell. And um, uh, with the help of uh, my boss at the time, Kurt Nickel, uh, I was working with Larry Brooks, and then uh, Casey Lytle, uh, Michael Sleeter, then Chris Kiefer. All these guys uh, were part of the KTM program that I worked with, um, you know, helped develop this great bike. And before we knew it, we had people pounding on our door wanting to ride these wicked fast KTMs. And I ran the KTM program for uh, 10 years. And uh, after 10 years, I felt it was time for a change. And I decided to uh, look at other avenues. And FXR was looking to uh, push their motocross line. They had introduced it a few times prior but with no real success. Uh, they were very, very successful in the snow uh, division for snowcross. And um, they felt that uh, it was time to branch out. A lot of their snowcross pros uh, in the summer would ride moto. And the owner really didn't like it that um, they would wear competitive gear like Fox or Fly or Shift or whatever. So he uh, went out and decided to make some FXR moto gear. And it was good gear and uh, the timing was perfect. I was looking for a new adventure and the owner, Milt Reimer and uh, an assistant, Aaron saw that uh, maybe I was the guy to do it. And they gave me the, uh, the reins to the moto division and um, uh, connected with some cool designers and hooked up with some riders to help promote it. Like the Mike Browns and Kiefer's and, Alex Ray's back then and a whack of other guys. And here we are, um, what is it? Seven years later. Um, 
racing uh, in front of the world's uh, um, best riders in Supercross and MXGP and outdoor nationals, uh, off-road, cross-country, hard enduro. I mean, we're in all the different uh, categories now, and life is good, and we're loving it. Yeah, FXR has come a long way in seven years. And I was actually going to ask, like, why would somebody want to start a moto uh, brand of of riding gear with all the uh, with it's somewhat of a saturated market? And you answered that. I, I love the fact that the owner didn't didn't want it, didn't like his guys wearing another brand. That's awesome. That's a perfect reason to start. I think. Uh, but what I want to talk about, you mentioned some of the riders like Alex Ray and Chris Kiefer and numerous others, and starting and getting this the moto side going, I feel like a lot of that, the success has to come from the relationships you've built prior. Um, This industry is small and it takes good relationships and a lot of trust from people within the industry to want to use another company or to give you the chance. Uh, Would you say that's a big part of it or was there, or what was this a long winded question? What were some of the Mm -hmm. key factors in the success early in FXR? Um, I would say relationships are very, very important um, to get riders to where the product they might have been with other companies or other partnerships and for them to trust you and to work with you on developing better gear and getting feedback and uh, I was lucky the owner of Milt Reimer is, uh, is just crazy about moto, loves moto. Uh, we talk about moto every single day. Uh, he rides three or four days a week, so he's heavily invested in it. Same with the team. We have a, a lot of employees that ride moto, so we're, we're all passionate about it. So we can all talk the talk and understand it, which is fantastic. So when I would bring riders on, uh, on the program um, that I felt were the key guys like Mike Brown, you know, they knew Mike Brown, the name, the legend, Mike Brown, and he's got a great history and a lot of followers. And they're like, okay, this is a great person to work with. Let's do some testing and development and, and get some product on them and see where we go. And the same thing happened with Kiefer. Back in the day, we were using him on the side while he was working with other people and, you know, paying for testing and the honest truth. And, you know, Kiefer is brutal when he tells you that, something's not right. He, he tells you, and sometimes it hurts. You don't want to hear that, but you need the kind of comments and information to make your product better. And, um, with the many years of working at KTM, I, I had made a lot of good friendships and, um, you know, I guess making sure that these writers got paid back in the day and they trusted you, they knew that they had, you had their back on, uh, on FXR and that they would be paid for it. And they did. And, you know, they, we became better friends and relations and more people heard about the product and word of mouth is sometimes the best advertising. And it just snowballed and snowballed and got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we're dealing with, you know, factory teams and top writers and managers and large media outlets uh, all around the world. And it's fantastic. Uh, you know, and you're right. It, it was a short amount of time for us to go from barely producing any gear to where we are today. And, uh, you know, I'd say the success is the, the people that, that I work with, they're so passionate about it. And 
the writers and media and everybody that I know to help us get it to that, to that level. So it, it just wasn't me. It was a yeah. lot of people that were behind this and still are helping and excited about our product. And when you've tried our product, um, you're, you're like, wow, this is like super comfortable. It fits great. You have different colors, different styles, uh, stuff for the kids, stuff for the adults, vet riders. I mean, vet riders absolutely love our product. And vet riders are very outspoken. And yes. when they find something they like, they're going to tell everybody. And that's fantastic. Yeah, I want to go back to something you talked about. You mentioned Chris Kiefer and him being brutal when he was testing the product and saying, hey, if, something, if something's not right, he would let you know. And mm-hmm. a company like, like FXR could say, oh, that's a minimal thing. We're just, we're just going to run with it. Instead of, I'm sure it's not cheap to basically, I'm going to use the term retool. I don't know if that's the right term in, in gear, but to readjust, to retool something you already have, to make it a little bit, probably minimally better. But if you're willing to do that, I, I feel like that really shows your drive to be the best at what you do instead of just settling. No, I totally agree. Uh, we want the honest truth on our product. You know, maybe sometimes he was a little bit too nitpicky on some stuff, and um, but we still, you know, jotted down, put the notes down on paper, go back to the drawing board, and um, you know, try and better the product. And every day, we're still trying to make it better and better, and fit better, and be more comfortable and. Um, product that won't wear out as quickly and more durable and stuff like that. So we're always pushing the limits to make this stuff better. And uh, sometimes we don't get it right. And we hear from Chris and other writers, hey, this doesn't quite fit right or something's up with this on some of our tax products. And that's perfect. That's what we want to hear. And that's why we pay these guys to give us the truth. And that is, that's a tough one sometimes. If you're, if you're being paid, uh, an athlete or what, and you want a, a long-term relationship, sometimes you won't tell the truth. Yeah. And uh, you'd say, it's, oh, it's great. It's awesome. Uh, no problem at all. And, you know, it's falling off his butt or it's <laughs> ripping or the gloves are falling apart all the time, but they don't tell you the truth and you, you don't know. So you need the truth. Um, you, you know, it's like when guys are testing out bikes it's the same thing. Some bikes work great. Some bikes, maybe not so, but they're afraid to say something because they don't want to lose that connection or relationship. So it's, it's tough. Um, it's uh, to be in, but, um, uh, Chris and Brownie and LePen and a bunch of other guys that, uh, we work with, uh, you know, guys in Europe, Sean Simpson, David Knight, um, our guys that just beat the tar out of our gear and we can't wait to get it back to, to dissect it and look at it to figure out, are we making it the best we can or do we need to make it better? Or like, what's the next step? So like I said, we're constantly pushing the limits to make this stuff better and better all the time. I love that. Uh, you mentioned word of mouth being a key factor in, especially with the, uh, the guys like ourselves, the veterans of the sport, the weekend warriors, but you still have to do advertising. So FXR chooses sometimes to advertise with like vital MX pulp MX. Uh, I've seen your stuff in the, the game, the phone, the game on your phone, mad skills, or even traditional magazine stuff. Uh, you team sponsors with Michael Lindsay's Honda chaparral team uh, a couple years ago, 
Club MX. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of pick and choose, and some are, I'm sure, more expensive more than others. How do you decide where you're going to put all your focus and the return on investment has to be different from each one of those probably, but like, where does that decision come from? Well, uh, like in the U S there's quite a few media outlets and every one of them has a different kind of demographic or angle that they focus on. If you, if you all went to the same person, then you probably wouldn't all be successful. So Mm -hmm. you all have different ways. So, I research them and figure out, okay, is this an avenue that we want to go down an angle? Is this the right customer base? Uh, and we test the waters that we'll, we'll throw some money at it, do some ads and follow the click throughs and, um, see what the numbers say. And if things are in our favor, we'll, we'll continue to, uh, advertise and invest more money into it. And, uh, so far, it's like playing the stock market almost like you're, you're investing in, in vital and vital is giving me a good return. I invest in motocross action. That's a really good return. I hear from guys like Daryl Eklund from MXA and, you know, constantly asking, how do we make this better for you? We love the partnership. You know, we appreciate you spending money, but what are we doing wrong? Can we do something better? And I like that because you're working one-on-one with them and, uh, Michael Morgan does that at Vital all the time, and Scott at RacerX is constantly on me, asking me how do we better the partnership. So we're all working together to make uh, a better experience for FXR. So I'm I'm looking at the best bang for my buck, and I think that I've spending my money wisely in areas to get the best return. And sometimes, like on race teams, some teams don't do so well. Uh, some teams do well. Uh, Michael Lindsay's team was great. They had Cody shock on the team, which I mean, he, he was a showman. He would be posting stuff day in, day, you know, in the day and the night, he'd be posting 20 times a day and people loved his images. And, you know, we loved working with them. Uh, Mumford too, great to follow him. So, you know, we, we picked the teams that have got good athletes and Michael Lindsay loves talking and, <laughs> talking to everybody so we thought that that would be a great uh way to get the word out and club mx is another great one we're so happy to be with club um they have a great following a great facility uh, on the east coast a lot of amateurs go through the program uh they've got a good team i mean nicoletti is awesome he's got uh you know uh he writes for racer rex mm-hmm. he's on the pulp show um he's got a great character um, I was walking around with him at Redbud, and it was like walking around with a Hollywood superstar. Everybody was, you know, hey, filthy, what's up? You know, like they wanted a piece of Phil and shake his hand and just pump him and get a signature. So, you know, I, I like that, and I'm pumped that these guys are getting attention. And if I can help them out financially a little bit to uh, help brand our product, then so be it. And, it's uh, it's a lot of fun being part of their program, and uh, I think they deserve to be paid for what they do. And if they're getting attention, then that means that FXR can get some attention. So why not uh, piggyback on their program? Yeah, perfect. Uh, two more questions for you. When it comes to like LE's uh, one-off special gear for uh, special event or even sublimation, again. That's 
expensive stuff. That's not easy to do for a small company. How do you choose when you're going to do special things like that? Well, um, (laughs) it is very expensive. Uh, The quantities are very, very low. So the, the uh, margins are slim. It's, uh, it's more of a branding tool than anything um, to get our word out there and to offer some you know, really good quality product, uh, limited edition. So first come, first serve, come, you know, they get it. And the kids that we support and our customers, uh, they watch for these drops all the time. And um, I see the numbers of product leaving the warehouse on a daily basis with my reports. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just lost for words sometimes how some of the color waves sell so quickly and some other ones maybe not sell so quickly. So it's a good, good tool to judge on colors and what time of the year to drop stuff. So it's more of a branding exercise, but also um, I think it's just cool to, to drop stuff for these kids to pick up. That is super limited edition. And I think these kids are super pumped to wear something that maybe someone else in their, their state or in their area doesn't have. Oh yeah. And, um, yeah. That, that so. everybody likes having something that nobody else can get. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we do this a couple of times a year and, um, you know, it's, it seems to work for us. Um, the, the owner's happy. I'm happy. Uh, riders are happy. So let's continue doing this. Absolutely. All right. One more. What's the five mm-hmm. and 10 year goals for FXR? Uh, I mean, I heard you talk on another podcast, you know, there's, there's other gear companies that are title sponsors of series. And then there's of course the elite level riders that are super, super expensive to track down and maybe not the best return on investment. I'm not sure, but what are the five to 10 year goals for FXR? Uh, I would say the five year is, um, to continue right now. It's a little different because, um, you know, there's, words of recession and stuff down the road. So we just have to be careful on, uh, on continuing at this level, making sure that we sell through our products, uh, understanding the market and getting through some tough times after COVID. Uh, but, you know, continuing to grow our business. I think we're in 43 countries right now around the world. And we'd like to be in many, many more and um, support uh, uh, some possible maybe higher level riders down the road once more revenues come in. Mm -hmm. But our growth is very, very good right now. And it wouldn't make sense to go and hire a a $500,000, $600,000 rider where our growth right now is is upwards and doing very well. How much more upwards could I go than what I'm at right now? And I I have a hard enough time delivering... (laughs) what I'm bringing in. So yeah, yeah. if I spend that kind of money, I got to bring in another two, $3 million of products to pay that rider half a million. And I'm not ready to take that risk at the moment where things are working very smoothly for us. So we're just analyzing it and growing as we need to the club MX. I mean, what am I saying? I mean, we have some great high end riders, Jeremy Martin. I mean, he's a, He's a top athlete. Uh, March Banks is another great one that we've got on the program. Uh, Nicoletti is also a top rider. Maybe they're not Tomax, but they're not too far. Right. Yeah. There's only a couple of those type guys. And 
Jeremy Martin's certainly capable yeah. of winning a championship. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and exactly. I don't know. So. I don't know that a guy like an Eli Tomac really sells that much more gear to the average person like myself, a veteran. Like you know, the the kids might be look up to Eli Tomac, right? And they're like, "Oh, I want what Eli has," but it's the parents that are spending the money anyway. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure how much that really relates to sales. It's an expensive question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's very, it's very expensive, and also. You know, um, some of our competitors uh, that have high-end riders, expensive riders, also have very thick catalogs of other products that they can fall back on. Uh, We don't sell tires and chains and sprockets and oils and chrome, so I don't have that other revenue to bring in to help pay for a rider. I'm using the monies that I have available from our gear sales. Mm -hmm. So we're working off what we have and being smart about it and making sure, you know, the bills are paid and, you know, we're growing and uh, investing in the future. So we're growing at a very good pace and maybe down the road we will have one. But as of today, I don't see the necessity. I think um, the athletes we have around the world are fantastic and, they're doing a, a great job for us. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think this recipe is working very well for us. I think so too. It's, it's been really cool to see it grow. And every year more and more guys are in FXR and the stuff always looks wonderful. I can't wait to get my first set to try out. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool to have a chance to talk to you, Andy. No, my pleasure. It's, uh, uh, it, you know, I love t- telling people about the story of FXR, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're not a small company. We're a good-sized company, but uh, the people that work at the company are so passionate, and I think that's the difference uh, from the designers um, to uh, uh, some of the salespeople. They're, they're all heavily into moto and love it, and when, you know, Supercross is in town, like Minnesota, we have, I don't know, 20, 25 employees that show up, and they're totally into it, and they know the names of the riders and stuff. So that makes a difference when your employees get it and understand the, uh, the, uh, the whole moto world. Cause it, it's a little bit special. And if you don't understand it, it's, it's hard to break into, but, uh, uh, I'm, I'm lucky to find a good group of people that I work with. Yeah. I, I'm very excited to, you know, be a part of this too, by, checking it out and uh, I, I said Chris Kiefer always spoke so highly of you guys that's really where some of my first knowledge of you personally Andy was just listening to Chris talk about what a great guy you are and what a great company is and I've said a million times uh, you know I mean I've been involved with a different gear company for years and it, and it came down to mm-hmm. it came down to the people involved with that company and how they treated me and that's really important and I, I hear the same kind and positive words about FXR and you know, I think I, I think I first met you at Anaheim One this year, and yeah, you were really nice yeah. and friendly, and yeah. it was cool to get a chance to meet you. And I appreciate you jumping on here and talking to us and telling us your story a little bit. No, my pleasure. Uh, like I said, uh, I love telling people the the story and uh, about FXR, and I'm uh, proud to work for this company and yeah. excited for the next uh, five ten years of where we go. It's awesome. Well, thanks so much for having some time for us today, and uh, it means a lot. Awesome. Well, thanks for calling, and uh, can't wait to hear what you think of our uh, our new Revo 23 yeah. line is like. 
it's I'm excited and it's kind of funny while we're doing this interview uh either a FedEx truck or a UPS truck just pulled up out front so something just got delivered I don't know if it's the FXR stuff but uh I'm like a kid on Christmas morning right now I can't wait to go to the door and see what's at the front <laughs> the front step awesome well awesome. timing is everything <laughs> yeah awesome well thanks Andy it means a lot to me man all right all right thank you for calling and have a great day you too